Hey, it's Desiree. Do you have a question you want answered on the podcast? Well, email us at fadersuppodcast at yahoo.com or DM us on Instagram at fadersuppodcast. This is the Faders Up Podcast. Cadence Perth. Welcome to the Faders Up Podcast. I'm Czar. I'm O'Shea. And this is a podcast about pro audio and beyond. If you got a question you want answered on the podcast, you can reach us at fadersuppodcast at yahoo.com. You can join the discussion for this episode and more on our Facebook group, Faders Up Podcast. And don't forget to rate and review us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. And all guests and hosts that appear on the show will be in the show notes. Uh, so this episode, we're going to talk about uh, things that we've learned after working in pro audio for so many years. And to help with that, we've got Will Santos here from Goldmine Studios. Thank you. Pleasure being here for my second time. And um, so, yeah, you know, we all have, you know, you look back at work that you did a year or two or five years ago, and you're like, what was I thinking? <laughs> that, <So. laughs> that happens all the time. You know, I think I think technology changes so fast that, like, even yeah. stuff that I did one year ago might be like man if i had this tool or that tool or this new isotope thing that came out that master could have been better you know that that mix mm-hmm. bus could have been you know whatever it may be that's why my mix bus has changed more frequently than ever before in the past two years i would say mm. so yeah we'll be discussing what what we've what we've learned after years in pro audio here uh but first we are going to uh get into our a normal topic of who's been pushing faders up where we briefly discuss what we've been working on. Uh, we've got some uh, listener faders here. And remember, uh, if you want us to share what you've been working on on an episode, just reach out to us and let us know how you've been pushing faders up. Uh, so on YouTube, uh, V the Revelator says he's been writing and working on custom music for some upcoming shows based on tech tips and business uh, that'll be seen on social media. Uh, that sounds dope. And says he's uh, starting to work on a new EP and planning to remix and remaster an old EP and album. Uh, that's interesting because I don't know if I'd want to go back and redo any of my old stuff. Right. Like if it's if it's done, it's 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 done. Let's move on to something else. <laughs> that would be an interesting thing to do. Uh, Henry Ruddy says he's mostly been working live sound at weddings. And uh, continuing to produce his own music and do some mix work uh, that he gets. He's been thinking about starting the Beat Stars Grind soon. Uh, love the podcast. Keep it up, y'all. Appreciate that. The Beat Star Grind, that started and ended pretty quickly uh, for me. I put a beat on there I did and, I don't know, checked it after a month and it got like three plays, which is probably myself. <laughs> so I was like, no, I'm good. <laughs> Man, Beatstars beat is um, it's a vehicle just like anything else. You know what I'm saying? It's like, like why do some people post on Instagram and get ten thousand likes, and some people just get ten or hundred? I mean, like, it's 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 strategic. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, my my thing would, and I mean, I'm sure I can get those plays up if I really, really tried, but I it it takes a lot of work 
to put something on beat stars, I've noticed, because they want, you know, if you use the looper sample, you got to put your source. They want the track with the tag, I without don't. a tag, uh, I don't BPM. Do I'm like, <laughs> I don't need to know what, I mean, if some, if an artist wants to buy it and they want to know, I'll tell them for legal purposes, it's like, I'm not just telling y'all where I get my 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 sauce from. I'm like, no. Yes. Yeah, it's a lot of work to me it's a lot of work to submit it's not like i don't know soundcloud where you can just put a title and hit upload and right. you know it's there <laughs> uh got one more uh aldine liguer hope i didn't butcher that he says he's been recording mixing and mastering band instruments uh mostly trumpets trombones drums and voice uh, that's interesting. Always, when you get outside of guitar, drums, bass, and vocals and get those other instruments, uh, that those that always gets uh, interesting. Uh, trumpets and... Will, you've done trumpets and trombones before? I have, yeah. I actually have done a lot of uh, brass brass stuff, for sure. Yeah, I did a uh, brass band a couple years ago. I think it was a trumpet, saxophone, a trombone, and tuba. Ooh. <laughs> Tuba, I did tuba uh, once. That that was uh, interesting. Very interesting because you definitely had to get a mic stand to reach high enough over the bell yep. <laughs> of the tuba. All right, and then we'll talk about uh, how we've been pushing faders up. How you been pushing faders up, O'Shea? Man, um, I was just talking to Will before uh, we started recording. Like, it's definitely been a challenge, you know, with the new business and kind of career focus I have uh, just to make time for it. Um, I am, I am appreciative. Recently, I just completed my Metro Arts uh, Thrive Grant project. Uh, so here in Nashville, um, there's an organization, Metro Arts, they do this big thing called Thrive Grant where they award grants to artists uh, for doing projects that uplift the community, build diversity, equity, inclusion, all that good stuff. Uh, so I completed a three-day workshop called The Entreproducer. Um, so every episode, I mean, each night was a beat-making workshop. But then I also, one night, I focused on teaching entrepreneurship because I feel like a lot of music creators just treat it like a hustle. You know, it's like, hey, I'm the artist. It's like, no, you're the artist and the business person, and you have to learn to wear that hat. Uh, then I did another night just talking about music business specific stuff. Like, hey, so how do you make money? Where does your money come from? How do you collect it? All that. And then I did one night on just financial uh, financial literacy overview stuff. So just mm-hmm. talking about basic stuff, saving, spending, growing, you know, um, stuff like that. So uh, definitely I love when I have those opportunities. Um just to keep my feet in the music water, you know. Um, I think last month, like, I went to the Grammy Block Party here in Nashville. That was another great experience just to network, connect with some uh, dope individuals. And, um, yeah, man, that's that's how I've been pushing faders up, man. What about you, bro? Man, I actually, I think for the first time, been been working on simultaneous projects that, you know, are not hip-hop. I'm doing two R&B uh, records, uh 
right now. One of them's mostly like we're a little bit past pre-production as far as getting the producers, you know, with with the with the artists and, and making sure it's the direction, you know, of, of the project. The other one I'm literally almost done uh, mixing. I'm down to the last uh, two songs, and it's like a six six track uh, uh, EP, and they're both they're both R and B. So it's it's kind of cool to get a get a break from from the norm. Uh, it's definitely uh, you know some fresh air. I, w- I would say. <laughs> Yeah, I definitely feel that. Uh, I've been, I haven't been doing too much since I came back from them. I did one mix. I've been working on a lot of YouTube material. Well, by working on, I mean, I've been kind of laying the groundwork for it. I haven't shot it yet. Uh, I got a lot of YouTube ideas that I really need to get out and get down. Uh, Still reviewing the United UT Twin 87. Uh, I've got one more session coming up with it then i'm going to do a uh singer songwriter uh that sings and plays acoustic guitar so i can um uh, hear how it sounds on acoustic guitar but just a sneak peek of it i'm impressed with it i mean for it's what 6.99 i think and it has um that vintage and modern switch it is definitely two different uh, voicings on that microphone. A lot of times you get stuff like that and it ends up being real subtle and it's like, yeah, I don't really hear a difference with this switch. Nope, you definitely hear a difference between uh, the vintage and modern. Uh, so, yeah, I look forward to uh, to posting that review and going to have to also decide if it's going to deserve a place in my mic locker. I keep saying that I don't need any more mics, but then I get mics I review and it's like, yeah, how much you want for this? I, I think O'Shea would, would uh, say you, you don't need any more microphones. You don't. I don't. <laughs> I, I was about to say just now, but I had food in my mouth. <laughs> uh, I, and speaking of gear, I've been browsing Sweetwater because Gear Fest is going on this weekend uh, that we're recording, but uh, O'Shea, you'll be proud of me. I, I was very close to getting a Black Line Audio Bluey because uh, mm. I kind of want a Blue Stripe 1176, but mm. um, I decided to pass on it. Cool. If you ever, want, if you ever want the, if you ever want the 17, the Black Line Audio 17, the 11 regular 76, let me know. I'm, I'm selling mine. <laughs> just, oh, just, just, out, just, out, just saying. Out. Yo, I'm we can't be inviting enablers on the show, man. I'm just saying, you're already talking about looking forward. You're talking about looking forward to Gear Fest. I'm kind of like, I've been, you know, I put this unit um, up a month ago or whatever. And I had someone that was going to buy it and they pulled out last last second. And mm-hmm. I don't really use it much. It's just sitting in my rack. So I'm like, I need to get rid of this. But, you know. Cesar, so uh, you have two people on your shoulder right now. Yeah. Like. Buy no, no, me, no, no, buy no, no, me. No, no and then you got that one like, don't do it, don't do it. <laughs> well, here's the here's the thing. I already have a 17. <laughs> oh, okay. There you go. You see? But I have Slick in the... When I first got it, I kind of wanted it too because I liked it mm. that much. Um, you still use I it? I don't know what I would do. You still use it often? I, I, I don't use it as much since I've gotten the West Audio Mimus. Right. Um, But... I still have a place for it because I find that it's cleaner. Yeah, that's what I was going to... Go ahead. That Mimus is full of color. A lot of times, not a lot of times, but sometimes it's too much color. And I'm like, whoa. That's what I was going to tell you. I mean, I don't want to dive all into this, just that one specific piece (laughs) of gear. But just to to say it, um, 
that I, I really were surprised that they like labeled it after an eleven seventy six because the seventeen is like super like laid back. It's clean. It's not aggressive. It's not super punchy like an eleven seventy six in six is. And it's cool because you can control the side the side chain uh, high pass filter and the wet and dry mm-hmm. knob, which makes it super versatile. But I don't understand why like they tried to go heavy on the eleven seventy six because. It doesn't completely remind me of one, but it's a very clean alternative. If that's, I use it a lot on acoustic guitar and background vocals. That's kind of where it, uh, mm-hmm. where it like lives for, for me. It's not, it's not like forward enough for like lead vocal to make it on a lead vocal for me because I have other options that beat it out. But I mean, still mm-hmm. a solid piece. It's affordable too. Yeah, I I can definitely see that. And that's why I kind of wanted that bluey because i just feel like it'd be another flavor yeah of of 1176 yeah. so and I, i've got the uh api t25 apis mm. tube compressors and they're fets and they're i kind of thought it was an 1176 because it's got the same attack and release yeah. and the same ratios and all yeah. that but it's it's definitely not an 1176 isn't, a, isn't chris lord algae behind the bluey Right, they they yes. yeah it's off his if it's off his uh blue 70 bluey 76 right Right, and that's enough. I I kind of don't. Well, that's how they're selling it. Like we went to. Right, they right. have a whole video. Like we went to Chris Lord Algae Studio. We took his eleven, his blue eleven seventy six, and we try to figure out why it's so good. They literally mapped it out, the whole logistics of it, to sound like his eleven seventy six, not just any eleven seventy six. And I guess that's like the selling point for for you know for the product. Right. Yeah, it is. But I don't care about CLA. It's another thing that's like <laughs> making me like, because uh, my other option would be like the Audioscape. Uh, that I have Blue Stripe. I'm looking into my third Audioscape piece of gear. Uh, I have two of them. Mm. I have their LA2A and their Bluey 1176. Mm. Sounds incredible, bro. If you haven't, again, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna encourage you, man. I'm just saying. <laughs> I'm just gonna say Audioscape is an incredible company from 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 customer service to components to to the way their products sound i i stand by them a thousand percent yeah and i want to get i want to get something from them too that's why i kind of backed off of this bluey and like and i i I do so much research before i get a piece of gear and it's like the bluey just kind of came into my mind a couple days ago and like when i when i just realized that gear fest was coming up i'm like i don't want to make just an impulse purchase because i have said I wasn't going to buy a lot of gear this year, and I really haven't. I think uh, the Black Lion Autour, Mike Pre, uh, they sent me that to review, and I liked it so much that I bought it from them. That's the only piece of gear I bought this year, I believe. Not bad. Six months in, that's so not I, bad. Yeah. <laughs> so the Bluey, I'm like, if if I re- if I end up really wanting it. Um, Maybe end of the year, you know, Sweetwater will probably do 36, 48 months, no interest. Um, you know, I, I may grab it then. We will, we'll see. Yep. Yeah. That's, that's all that. Oh, another thing I'm working on, I'm supposed to be getting a copy of Neutron 4 to review. Mm. Um, <laughs> the serial number I was sent was already in use. <laughs> so they, I'm waiting uh, on a they new let, serial They let number. another uh, influencer <laughs> borrow that for the time being. <laughs> yeah. Right. I was like, it's already in use. I'm Every, like, what? Everything I see now, it's it's either that, the Neutron, uh, was it four, right? Is it four now? Yeah, four. Or mm-hmm. it's uh, Jason Joshua's uh, guard particle. Uh, that's kind of, that's making quite the, the storm right now. So it's literally like Neutron four 
and you know the god particle which literally mm-hmm. just came out uh maybe like a month now i, w- I would say yeah I think Zara was talking about that um, on our last episode. Mm-hmm. The, someone uh, article one. I didn't pay much attention to it. Someone told me a, told me about it. Oh, I, um, I remember Sapphire. who told me about it. No, uh, my homeboy JB. Uh, I didn't. I, I I didn't check it out. Or uh, but I. You should. I've heard about it. You should check it out for sure. Yeah. It's uh, right. it's on my mix bus now. I'll tell you that. Uh, it's one of those plugins that like I don't know exactly what it's doing I mean I guess I do like if you break it down I I know what it's doing it's an EQ curve that's meant to be like his starting point so when it defaults it starts at a certain like uh, setting and that's basically the way that he says like he starts all his mixes that way like that's just Hmm. what he that's his default and then you obviously can tweak it to your liking but yeah. off the top, it has meters that can show you, like, where he believes the sweet spot are for certain, like, frequencies. So if you put that on your mix uh, on your mix bus and you have, like, a really mid-rangey, like, mix, like, it's overly mid-rangey, it would show you that, like, you have too much. Or too much high-end or too much low-end. And then you can bypass that, work out on your mix, and then, I guess, stay within the range i would say and i don't yeah. know some people okay. you know don't like that for some people that are like either just starting off that's really helpful for them they're more on the they're still more on the visual than um than not but uh it just adds body to your mix like like crazy which which i like and then you can you can turn it down to 50 percent, 100 percent. it goes up to 200 percent, which is kind of odd for, for a oh, plug-in wow. yeah it's it's odd for a plug-in <laughs> but it's one of those things where you crank it and you have to be careful because it just still sounds good. So then, yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So it's just like you gotta be very, very careful with that with that plugin. But I think it has its it has its purpose, uh, you know, for sure. Yeah, gotcha. here's where it gets tricky. In my mind, I'm like, based on what you're describing, that sounds like pretty much what Isotopes uh, Insight does. It's either Insight. It's one plugin they had where basically, yeah, um, total rebalance. Balance. Is it total yeah. rebound? Yeah, total yeah, rebound. where it basically shows you where, where you yeah. are and then you can make your adjustments. So I think a lot of that, mm-hmm. and I'm speaking on it from I haven't used it yet, right? Yeah, so yeah, I'm yeah. Not, I'm not going to crap on it. Um, oh. but I think for me, it's kind of like, I'm like, how much of this is marketing? Right. And I'm a sucker for right. good marketing. Right, right so of course. Like, this sounds like the type of thing that I would end up getting just because it looks cool and wow. the name attached with yeah. it. And then I'm wondering if a few weeks or a few months down the line, if I would have buyer's remorse, because I'm like, wait a minute, this does the same thing as, you know, yeah. X, Y, and Z. And I think a wow. lot of momentum is built on the fact that, like, Jason Joshua is probably one of the biggest names as far as mixed engineers yeah. right, right. now and, and, and his, right. his discography and, and what he's touched. Uh, you know, people are chasing that sound. So whenever... Whenever you have enough people interested in in someone's you know sound or you know that that mojo that they might they might have in their mixes and they release a plugin with their name attached to it, like he said, he's been working on this for three years, um, and you know also I would say made it affordable considering like how you might spend 150 on a reverb if it has like you know another big engineer's name attached to it. I think this is like 80 bucks or something like that. Um, so it's one of those things where it's like, 
I can see why the hype was built around it. But I'm always like, all right, well, let me go check it out myself. And then if it works for me, like it works for me. Like if it doesn't, then it just gets discarded. And after the free trial, mm-hmm. like I'm done with it. You know, I make up a, a, my mind on it. Gotcha. No, and yep. going back to the, the to- total or tonal rebalance web from Isotope, I have it because it came one of the bundles I got from them. I used it once. <laughs> Mm. And I ended up, uh, you know, I'll put it on my mix. And basically it was like, uh, let's say, for example, it's, it's saying you have too much low end. And I'm sitting here like, mm, no, I don't. Mm. So it, it became a, am I going to trust you, my ears you, or am I going to? Were you mixing through uh, it? Were you mixing through it? Or did you check it at like towards the end of your mix? You slapped it on and you just kind of wanted to see where you were at. I think I slapped it on at the end or towards the end to see what it would say. Mm, okay. Yeah, that's normally what I do. I don't really go by it, but I, I, I like to select like the hip hop or sometimes if I'm working on hip hop, I always select the extra bass. Uh, or like Or it says like bass heavy. Like if it's a bass heavy song, I already know I have mm-hmm. tons of 808s and low end. It's hip hop. It's meant to have low end. I'll leave it on that and I'll sometimes only really um, pay attention to the high end. The low end and like the low mids or whatever and, and the mids. Like I don't care what you show me, I'm gonna go by what I <laughs> what I feel. But for some reason, on the high end, I've it it's checked me a couple times because I go I'll go to the car, or I'll go to my earphones, and I'll be like, it it was way over on on that app on the plugin, and I'm like, you know mm-hmm. what? Let me let me let me try and like you know play with it a little bit. And I started massaging a couple frequencies, and then I was like. Okay, so maybe on the high end, I might, you know, it might work for me. But I, I don't take those things too literal, man. Like where I gotta yeah. like stay within the 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 little snake shape. I'm like, nah, man, yeah. you gotta you gotta use these, man. Yeah, gotta gotta trust your ears. All right, we're gonna uh, get into our our uh, main topic here. Actually, before we get into the main topic, I'm gonna quickly touch on Nam because Will, I know me and you were at Nam. Uh, I know we we missed each other. Um, I. <laughs> I'll I'll just say I, I took one for the team day one and ended up being in the <laughs> oh. in, instrument and keyboard hall a lot longer than I wanted to. <laughs> so I, I didn't really get to the pro audio hall on day one. I was there all day, uh, day two. And I think you was there day one, but not day two. Correct. Yeah. Um, I only went the I, first I, day. I, I think we both can agree there really was not a need for day three. <laughs> but um, Nope. So... What what was your thoughts on on Nam this year? Well, the funny situation was that I took my project manager with me. She had never gone. Uh, you know, we got I, we got some passes through through Monheim. So shout out to Andrew for that. Uh, and was it he was, there? Uh, who was he there? Yeah, Andrew. Yeah, he was there. Uh, and we got. Some, I didn't. I didn't. Yeah, I Monheim didn't see microphones. Him. I think he was by. Uh, I forgot what what other big company there was there. There, there was a big company like right, and he was to the side of them. Maybe Vanguard. Was he in the pro audio? He was a pro audio. Vanguard. Yeah. He sells he sells microphones okay. and preamps. Uh, yeah, I, I saw when I met him, he was in the instrument hall that year. I I met him. Oh, I really? To, okay. Yeah. I meant to look him up this year, and I I, for, I forgot to. And if he was by Vanguard, I definitely hauled it at Vanguard. Yeah, so. yeah. I see the Vanguard. They're always in the I same should. place, uh, and they're yeah. usually next to Audioscape. But Audioscape had a big booth this year. You know they're doing well. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I took her, <laughs> and the crazy thing was that like. We went to the guitar hall. She wanted to see everything. She's like, I want to, you know, blah, blah, blah. And then we go into the guitar hall, bro. Mind you, I'm like, 
I'm in, but I'm not in Nam yet. Like I'm in, but I just want to go to the Pro Audio building and we're right. just roaming <laughs> toms and guitars and and like, you know, drumsticks and like I'm just kind of like, yo, and like I'm like you really want she's like let's go through every single aisle like in and out, in and out. <laughs> And I'm just like, you know what? It's her first time. I didn't want to spoil it for her. So we're like two hours, almost three hours in, taking a break, blah, blah, blah. And then we finally get to uh, the pro audio and I was there for the for the rest of the time. And it did seem like it was pretty uh, packed. But there was a lot of companies that I saw the, the last time I went that were not there this year. I think mm-hmm. even Universal Audio didn't make it. They Chameleon weren't. Chameleon Labs didn't make it. Waves. Uh, Waves uh, in McDSP, McDSP, Chandler. Jeez, I want to say Soft Trident, Tube wasn't there, but Soft Tube wasn't there. Trident, Trident wasn't Soft there. Was, um, API wasn't there. API was not. I talked to API a couple months ago. Okay, and they said they weren't. Bro, know, API wasn't there. Bro, it it was a there was a lot of big hitters that didn't show up for sure. Presonus wasn't there. Man, is, so, this, yeah. is this by choice or is this just? It's like business is like a business move. Like just we gotta skip it because I know they they dish out a lot of bread to get right. to get to get that uh to get that big boost. It's a lot of bread that that's, that's <laughs> involved uh to you know pay pay for that square footage. Yeah, I'm not. Um, yeah, I'm not. I'm not sure why they weren't there, but I do know one. And of course, I won't say no names, but one company that was there. Spoke to the president. He told me he spoke to the president of NAM and was like, you know, there's less people here. Uh, the show is shorter overall. Yeah. Um, so with the discount? But we're still paying full price <laughs> no, for a booth. Nah. Like, what? what's up with that? Yeah, no. Yeah, I mean, overall, it, overall, it was a, you know, just some, some, you know, sum it all up. It was a, it was, it was a great experience, especially bringing someone who had, who was like their first time it's it's kind of cool for them to see especially someone as my project manager she saw a lot of people that we communicate with that we work with mm. companies that like she's like emailed and now like you have them in person and you can have that relationship so for me that's what nam's really all about i catch up with a lot of people who i really respect uh admire or look up to and we chop it up like about what they're working on but like it's always very different than a DM. It's always going to feel much, much different than a DM. So mm-hmm. to have someone in the flesh to be like, what are you working on? What are you working on? Oh, I'm checking out this. Have you heard of this? Have you heard of that? It's more about that, you know, that that community uh, value that Nam brings because in, the, in, in, in general, we won't have time to really do that. Even some people that live in LA, bro, I don't get to go and have a cup of coffee with because I'm in the middle of just projects and they're doing the exact same thing. So mm-hmm. to have that and then have like the the rapport of building with companies that you buy from and they know you on a on a name basis. Like I was walking by and Chris Yetter from Audioscape saw me. He's like, Will? And I just turned around. I was like, you talking to me? <laughs> He's like, yeah, how you doing, man? I was just like, whoa, like that's dope for them because I bought from them three, four years ago when they were like a much smaller company and just starting. And then I'm looking at their mm-hmm. booth, dude. They had the whole sign. <laughs> yeah. You know what I'm saying? So to see that, I know they're doing well, but I know why they're doing well because every time I have something with my unit or it needs to be recalibrated or, or capped or whatever, they're on it. They're fast. They don't charge me for shipping. They take care of it. They respond right away. So I'm like, these guys are doing the, uh, you know, the right thing. Yeah, I'm definitely having to look look into uh, some of their products. I, de- I definitely want to get something from them to support them. Um, for me, 
it really didn't hit me until I, it didn't hit me how much smaller Nam was this year until I realized the second floor of the pro audio hall was not pro audio. <laughs> it was like live sound. <laughs> Mm-hmm. I mean, I think you still had like SSL and Don Audio up there, but uh, yeah, I was, and it was so uh, scarce up there on the second floor too. Like a lot of empty space. I was like, yeah. oh yeah. wow. So, and, uh, did you uh, did you get in the Tesla? I did. I did actually. <laughs> um, it was pretty pretty crazy. The, the crazy thing is, I've never wanted a Tesla. But, like, then and there, I was really contemplating about, like, maybe I should get a Tesla. Like, it was that, it was that dope. And I know they only had a playlist of what you could play. I really wanted to play one of my mixes. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> but, uh, but uh, you know, we you know whatever they had in there, like, I was playing and I was just like, yo, this is, this is, like, riding around and having that kind of listening experience available to you. Man, road trips are right. going to be dope. Like, that to me was just like, it was my, it sounded incredible. I went in there with no expectations, honestly. I was like, maybe this mm-hmm. is just like a marketing, <laughs> you know, ploy thing going on. But when I did, I was like, whoa, the front to back, the depth, it was, it was, it was incredible. So for for those who, who don't know what we're talking about, there was a Tesla and there's also an Escalade too, but I got in the Tesla. I got the Tesla, Tesla hit, yeah. They hit Dolby Atmos inside the cars. And the sound was nuts. Like it literally sounded like you were sitting in a concert. Yeah, it was ridiculous. Like, it was, it was crazy. Soundproof oh, a lot of Atmos. Yeah. yeah, a lot of Atmos. Um, there's a lot of Atmos stuff at Nam too. I noticed. Yeah, uh, yeah. I think well, Focal did like some Atmos thing going on Don, in the display. Don yeah, Audio too. Don, I think the ATC. With the eight, I don't know if ATC did, but I think that was a big theme. I guess you're kind of seeing the push that the pro audio community is having with Atmos and people mm-hmm. getting certified and people looking into it and people adapting to it. You know, um, a lot of people are like, that's the future. That's just the way it's going to be. Some people are still not on board or don't really care for it. So that's mm-hmm. going to be an interesting thing, I would say, like in the next three to five years for sure. Yeah, definitely. But uh, yeah, overall, I've I've decided... It, it It is mostly about the networking for me as well. I've already decided I am going to go next year, but I'm going to, I'm going to go day one, day two. And then that, that third day, I'm going to be on a flight back. Like yeah. I'm not staying. Did you really go to day days. three? No, 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 no. Oh, okay. Um, How was day two? Was it like, was it a lot emptier for sure or no? It felt about the same okay. uh, to me, but I, I never go three days though. I uh, always get everything I can in those first two days, I think yeah. that third day I was still tech. What, what, wait, when was the third day? Was that Saturday? No, Friday, Saturday. It was, uh, okay, third so day third is day Sunday. Third day was Sunday. Third day was Sunday. Third yeah. day was Sunday. So no, I went to um, I went to Ontario to do uh, indoor skydiving that Damn, day. He was out there, huh? <laughs> You're gonna bring O'Shea with you next year or what? <laughs> If he, if he wants to come, oh, I, um, man, he's gonna be like, y'all don't need to be buying all this gear, guys. <laughs> nah. People are gonna be like, hey, why is this guy here, man? What's going on? He's just like the guy nah, telling everybody, you sure you want to buy that, man? <laughs> nah, I'm, man, I just give Zara a hard time. I really, we we all got. It's funny because I talk about this, um, even in the context of financial planning meetings, right? Yeah, you, know, like you got savers and you got spenders, but. Even when kind of spending, we all have those things that we're willing 
the to spend a few bucks on yeah. you know things that are just absurd right. like i got one client you know he spends 110 on a gym membership that's ridiculous to me right. now when i tell him you know that my thing is buying sneakers you know and i have over 50 60 pair of sneakers Damn. he looks at me like what that's crazy. Yeah. Even that face you just made. That's, I feel the bro, I got, I got three pairs, and I've been wearing them for the past three years, bro. <laughs> right? And that's what I'm saying. That's the point I'm making. Like, we all have Absolutely, those things, right? Yeah. Where it's like, yep. all the outboard gear y'all have, I'm just like, nah, I'm straight. I'm like, if I have access to it, yeah. sure. But, but, yeah, so, so yeah, I definitely would That's funny. Like, I know I have um, quarterly meetings with my, you know, my bookkeeper or accountant. We sit down and write goals as far as, like, oh, I need a new computer because my stuff's staying behind when it comes to big mixes. So, we start budgeting for stuff that I, you know, I could afford mm-hmm. and what I want to buy, like, you know, plugins or gear, stuff like that. And I remember, like, when I had first met, you know, the, the, the bookkeeper that I am with now, my accountant, um, he's like, let me tell you something, Will. Um, cause I was talking about gear like crazy. And he's like, let me tell you something, Will. If you can't buy it twice, you can't afford it. Mm, I, I hear that a lot. And I was just like, it hit me cause I was like, damn, that's true. Because if I spend this bread on this and it's going to semi hurt me or it's going to like put a dent where I'm going to be like, man, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta get, I gotta get at it now. Uh, maybe <laughs> I can't afford it. So he's like, if you can't buy it two times over. Without it hurting you, he's like, you can't afford it. So like, I was just like, man, that really, uh, that really hit me. So every time I want something now, I just think of that, and I'm like, <laughs> I leave stuff in carts, like, and then they. The crazy thing is, these companies will send you emails and be like, hey, you left some in our car. You don't yeah. want to check out. Yeah. I'm like, you guys are crazy, yo. Like, it's one of those things. Like, hey, uh, you got this three thousand uh, dollar, you know, mic pre in our car. You want us to help you, you know. Check it out for you. What's going on? We have we have a card on file for you. You want? Is it okay with you? Like it's crazy, man. You know, just it's decision making. You know, and that's some of the stuff we're gonna get into yep. today. Like some of the things we've learned over the years. You know, mm-hmm. and a lot of it is gonna come down to you know decisions and knowing what we know now. And I'm curious, like, what would we have done differently? Oh, like yeah. professionally speaking, yeah. um, you know, five, ten, fifteen years ago. Mm-hmm. Let's um, we'll go ahead and take that as a segue. Uh, jump Thank to the you main for event picking here. Up on that, man. I tried to make that. You know, what I'm saying. Oh, I, I catch alley oops. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> slam dunk them too, huh? Yeah. Oh, well, uh, yeah. Think things that we've learned. Anybody want to volunteer to go first to share something on what uh, aspect? What are we? Uh... Oh, just. Anything broad, broad across, broad across the board. As far as something as far you've as learned, as far as as far as like business or just the specific business we're in. Yeah, uh, business studio work. Um, man, I man, think so much. Man. I think I think <laughs> I, I think for me, for me, has been um, just to to be an all around, you know, good people's person. I think. Uh, mm-hmm. For me, is because I've 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 met a lot of talented people who maybe aren't the most approachable. So for me, when I started hearing like things from certain clients, and I and they like it proved it because they were driving two three hours just to come record with me, but they had studios in their own city with like more than capable enough engineers to put some cool together. But when I realized that they didn't choose me because of the gear. They didn't choose me because of my distressor. 
or you know my manly or whatever it may be it was more on the sense of like the experience that they had with me within mm-hmm. that room that spoke so you know loudly that it literally compelled them to like only want to work with me and that loyalty stemmed from that first it didn't stem from the best possible recording it didn't stem from the cleanest crispiest you know lead vocal or mix it literally started with me as a person and once mm-hmm. once that was such like a uh an opening for me as far as like man like these people really come to me because of that and then i started getting people out of state which really like cemented that statement i think a lot of things you know really put things in perspective for me for sure so that's what i would say was probably one of the biggest things uh for me that you learned yeah. all right all right now i'll say um i'll go ahead and get the, the the cliche one out the way but you know one thing i i learned is that how much easier it is to mix once you've recorded with good gear Mm. That whole uh, get it right at the source saying is a hundred percent true. Now I'll just share a quick story. My, my mastering engineer D Lyles brought an artist up to Nashville. I think her name was oh I don't want to say the name if I don't get it right. But uh, in, incredible female singer, and uh, we used the Mike Tech CV4. Uh, the Avedis, I think it's MA5. Yeah, the one with the 48K button. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) We use that pre with that button and uh, an inward connections brute, which is an opto compressor. That was our vocal chain. And this vocal came out so good that when it was time to mix, because we used that 48K button, I felt it was just a little too bright. Mm -hmm. So just to balance it some, I, I added a little bit of 400 hertz just to give it a little more body. And I mean just a little bit, like, I don't know, 2 dB maybe. And that's literally all I had to do <laughs> to the vocal. And it's just, like, it just, it hit me then. It's like, man, you know, if I record with good gear, like, that takes so much of the heavy lifting is done up front to where you don't have to butcher the vocal with EQ and do all of this stuff to try to get it to sound good when you just get it sounding good up front already. Uh, so I'd, I'd definitely say that's that, that's one thing I learned, which, you know, may have sent me down the path of, you know, buying all of this gear because yeah. I know I could get uh, great sound with it. I was over the years, I've, you know, and that, you don't, over the years I have learned that as well that, you know, it doesn't, you don't have to use a $3,000 mic to get a good vocal. I've got plenty of mics in here that's, I don't know, $500 that I, that I can still get um, a great sound with. But yeah, using quality stuff, you get good results and just the mix almost takes care of itself uh, from there. Yeah. A- adding to what you said, I mean, I've, I've heard a lot of uh, bad vocals through, through C800s. And that's not that's not from <laughs> that's not from the way the microphone sounds. It's it's not one of my favorites. I mean, I must admit. But what I'm saying is a bad vocal from mic technique, mic placement. You know, maybe that person was way up on the mic, and the engineer never <laughs> told that person, "Hey, you might want to step back." Like you know, you're getting proximity effect in here. Like this is pretty crazy. So that's what I mean. Like just because that microphone is ten thousand dollars, you're not guaranteed 
a great vocal. You still need to be, you still need to know what you're doing and have mic etiquette to get to that level. But what you were saying about, you know, um, having great gear and it cuts a lot of the, the, you know, the tough work or, or whatever, like it's literally sounds like that's the vocal that's going to make the final record. I totally agree with that. And you can even take that sense of getting it right from the beginning, from the foundation with anything. You're going to build a house, get that foundation right. You, sk- you skip mm-hmm. out on stuff with, with the flooring and the, you know, the cement or the foundation, the studs. You know, the first, the first little 10 mile per hour wind that comes through is going to knock your house down. So with anything, <laughs> you plan on getting your financial stuff right. You know, if you have, there's a certain, there's a certain foundation that you, you must have in order to keep track of your sources of income and everything. So literally what we're trying to tell people is like, if if you get it done the right way from the beginning, then that process has way less bumps than if you didn't. So if you don't get mm-hmm. it right from the jump, you know, you're going to expect hiccups and bumps and it's going to be, you're going to spend three hours on a vocal and then you're going to EQ it 20,000 different ways and it's still not going to sound the way that you intend on it to sound. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'll um I'll share another quick story. I had just bought Melodyne and hadn't used it yet, but I just bought it. I was in the studio with someone and she hit a wrong note. And she said, uh, you, you want me to redo that? No, nah, I got Melodyne now. We're good. Let's keep going. I spent, I never could get that one note right in Melodyne. And I'm just like, if I would have just, you know, spent 30 seconds and told her to to do it again, I would have saved the hour that I spent fooling with Melodyne trying to fix this one note. Yeah. But, you know, that, that comes with, that comes with like, uh, that could be a scenario where like they, they did that somewhere else, like at another studio. And maybe either they or the engineer was like, oh, no, don't worry. We're good. We'll move on. I'll fix it in Melodyne. So in that person's head, that's like, I guess, an acceptable route or an option that's there on the table. And sometimes for certain people, it's negotiable. Sometimes it's non-negotiable. So it's kind of like one of those things where an artist might be like, so what is good enough as far as like, is this good enough? Can you work with this or could you not work with this? And then they lean on the engineer for guidance. A lot of times if I hear something that's like way off, like way off, I'm just like, <laughs> we got to, we got to recut that. We, we just got to mm-hmm. recut that. There's just no way around it. But if I have a take where I'm like, you know what, maybe that ending tell of that phrase, you know, maybe it was too much vibrato or not enough or whatever. It may be a little flat, a little sharp. Then I'll be like, you know what? I know for sure I can fix this. But I try not to like filter out all these things and just kind of keep going on because I'm going to look at the song and when it comes time to mix it, I'm going to deal with that. And I'm going to deal with the fact that it's like, man, I really should have had her get another take of this. And I'll beat Mm -hmm. myself up about it. So again, it could be summed up to different experiences that they maybe had at other studios with other engineers that are trying to be applied to your situation, which is… You know, that's another topic for crate for can of yeah. worms. You just you just hit one uh, there. That's that's a good thing that I've learned is always get multiple takes. Always for sure. At at least two. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm good with three, but at least two because you will, you know, you'll get to mixing and it's like, oh, I don't, 
like the way they said this word or or whatever, and it's like, oh, well, I've got another take. You can just pull from another take. But if you don't have that take, you've just got to live with it unless you're going to recut it. Yeah, no, of course. I, I, everyone has their recording process. It's I usually do one or two takes to get levels to make them feel good. Go through, go through your whole verse. Once I get the levels and I tell them, all right, we're good. These are real takes. When I play it, I always have to look at my levels again because when I when they when they hear this is a real take, they end up being louder. Mm-hmm. So I yep. go ahead and mess with the you know preamp or the compressor, whatever I'm doing, and then the take after that becomes a real take. But what I do is I just loop record them if they know they're gonna go six bars yeah. or four bars, and then they're gonna need a break. So we'll I'll, I'll put it on loop, but it'll play back like after they finish that four bar, it plays back with a little bit of pre roll. So I don't have to stop them every take that they finish. I just let them go. And we'll do two mm-hmm. or three takes like that. And if there's if there's enough takes in there where I feel like, oh, she second take killed it. Or like beginning of second take and the end of the third, that's what's going to get comped. Then we just like move on. And that's kind of how my recording process goes. And then we'll go back and see at the end of the session, like, is there anything that really needs to be recorded? Because I notice if you just hammer them down on a certain take or section of a song for too long you lose that you lose that magic you lose yeah. the you lose the, the client's hope of them feeling like this is really going somewhere it almost becomes like homework now like man i got to nail this take and it's not happening and then that like their morale drops the energy feels a little different so that's just normally how i do it so sometimes when i get new clients they're not used to recording that way because they've usually go to someone, they've gone to someone else, or they're coming off of working with someone else for a long time. So you almost got to reintroduce your process to the client and see if mm-hmm. that's something they're willing to, to you know, to to try. And I was like, look, let's try it. If you don't like this way of recording, we can, you know, we can go the way that you normally like to record your 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 sessions, your vocals. Mm-hmm. I think that that ties into another thing I learned connected to that. Um, that one that. Overchoice is also a thing. And I, I think it starts with setting expectations, right? Because I think when you're not the one doing it from a technical standpoint, it's easy to overlook or simplify. Oh, it's no big deal. Oh, yeah. Yeah. We'll just comp, you know, from the 20 or 25 takes. And it's like at a certain point, it becomes a white noise. It's like, you know, I'll be honest with you. I'm tired and I can't tell the difference between those last three, right? So I agree with Czar um, and what you're saying. Well, you do need to have a few takes. I'm back up to something you said uh, about not being able to hear the difference because that's something I got on my list that I've learned as well is that if you can't hear the difference, then it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. Like, don't 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 sit here 30 minutes trying to decide which one of these plugins sounds better <laughs> because if you can't hear the difference, flip a coin, pick one. I mean, it doesn't matter and just keep moving. So that's, that's definitely something I've learned as well. Yeah. I think going along, oh, my fault. Uh, I think, I, like I was saying, I think what O'Shea said about like knowing what you're, why you're doing this for, whether this is like a hustle or a hobby for you is a, it's a huge question that you have to ask yourself. I, I like to say that every dollar that you get paid to, to, to do a job is like a, a thank you note to you. And once you're done with that job, if you're not flying in the stars and wanting to promote that and show friends, then chances are you shouldn't have taken that job. Message! 
And I believe by that. So everything that I work on, I want to show my friends. I want to show. I want to show my mom. I want to show my grandma and be like, "Yo, Zar, check this out, bro. Check check, check out what I worked on." Like you're, you're, ex- you're ecstatic to show people. Now, if you take somebody's money, you and you work on something, and you just want to, you just want to put it past you. You don't even. It's not gonna make your your uh, your samples on your website. None of your friends are gonna know about it. You're just gonna sweep it under the rug, like you, man. Then chances are <laughs> you should have never taken that. And I think there's a right. in, in the music community, especially in the pro audio, and because for every engineer, there's probably like 20 rappers. Then, like, there's a lot of power in saying no. I think the power of saying no sometimes can be a lot more than the power of just saying yes, especially if you're just saying yes to everything. So I think for for a lot of these, like you know, younger engineers coming up in high school, fresh out of high school. Once you can identify why you're doing this for and learn how to say no when it when it doesn't suit what you want to portray or the, the stuff you want to put out into this world, then I think the more success you'll have with a clearer vision of like where you're headed for sure. And then one more thing to even add to that. Uh, so I'm not trying to box you out, man. We'll just keep saying stuff, bringing more stuff back <laughs> to my mind. Um, yeah, man. So... So be mad at yourself for bringing on a good guest, man. Um, but now in all seriousness, like, I think the other thing, think outside the box is one thing I've definitely learned. Um, in 2012, I started my career as a high school teacher. Um, I had been in Nashville since 05. I was done with audio engineering school. Uh, but it was a dream job for me because I was teaching music production at a high school at a million dollar, $1.2 million studio in my classroom. That job, that career opened up like all my professional doors that I have right now open up through that. Like if we really like trace the steps, like I wouldn't be doing this podcast if it wasn't for that because I met Czar through like Mimi in Creatives Day. I mean, Mimi and Music Queen through that teaching job. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, so it's all connected. But I'm saying that to say, because I had a, a job and a career that A, I loved, B, it was still connected to my industry and my profession, though I wasn't directly engineering and producing, but I was teaching students how to do it it gave me the freedom to to be able to say no. I said no to a lot of stuff when I was teaching, like outside stuff, almost everything, like hip hop stuff, like young hip hop stuff. Like, you know, I told one guy, hey, 50 an hour. Oh man, what, who you think you are, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, okay, whatever. <laughs> like I got a job I love. Like I'm still going to be fine. I'm still, you right. know. And so that's one thing I would encourage people with. I'll say uh, another thing that I've I've learned, and this goes into knowing when to take a break when you're mixing, mm, and that is when I start to second guess myself. I know it's time to take a break. When I get to messing with levels of something that I knew was fine thirty minutes ago, <laughs> and now I'm second guessing if it's fine now, I need to take a break. That's definitely one one tip for um, kind of knowing when when ear fatigue is is sitting in. Like I'm, 
I've, I've had to, and that took me a long time to learn, but yeah, I, I had to learn that. Like, why am I, why am I moving this fader when that fader has been <laughs> fine? Is there a sweet spot Last. for you on that czar? Like, is it like 30 minutes in? It's always like an hour and a half in. Is it two hours in? Or it just depends like on the song or have you found that like, this is about the time where I'm fully like focused and around this time it can get a little blurry. It depends on the song because certain stuff I look at, the way I kind of try to mix now is once I got everything laid out in front of me, I kind of tell myself, okay, this should take me two hours or this should take me an hour and a half if it's something, you know, small. Um, And then once I really get into it, and then of course that that can change if, you know, you start having issues or start doing other things in the middle of the mix, getting sidetracked or whatever. Um, but yeah, I don't, I don't have a, I've wanted to set up a timer and I've heard of people doing that mm-hmm. to know when to take breaks. But a lot of times when I'm mixing, I'm not sitting here locked in this seat for an hour. Uh, Cause I will very easily start web browsing uh, and right. just, and just doing other stuff. So I'm kind of already taking breaks anyway, but I do get, sometimes I do get locked in and focused, especially if I know what I'm going for and I'm trying to, you know, get it there, obviously, yeah. as, as quickly as possible. So there's, I, I definitely don't like to start something and then have to, you know, get up and go to the grocery store or run an errand or, or do something because, you know, once I get started, I want to hit an end point yeah. and, or um, get, get finished with it. Yeah, I think you said something really important right now. Like you said, and it shows just from you being an experienced engineer that especially if you know what you're going for, like that's that's a huge thing in, in what we do because, you know, what might take someone four or five hours, it might have been a lot of like trying to figure out where it needed to go. But once you have a seasoned professional, seasoned ears, you hear something, you can almost map it out by like what plugin you're going to use for what instance mm-hmm. like I already know on this drum kit I'm going API on this I already know on these vocals for this kind of vocal this kind of genre this this ballad I'm going super big Valhalla I'm going this you're like naming things like off of their name specific things you kind of already mapped out the mix I think uh, an, an engineer who isn't like let's say there yet as far as like he's trying to figure that out as he goes and you can fall into that rabbit hole of like mixing for two hours and then you come back and then you're like what is this like (laughs) what was I doing like why didn't I just stop 30 minutes in and it's because like there was no clear direction there and especially if the client is just saying here mix this and they're not even giving you direction to go off Sometimes the engineer is like, well, where do I go? You want me to just guess mm-hmm. what you wanted to do and, and then map it out? So I think, you know, I hate to pause you there, but what you said was key. Like, especially if you know what what you're going for, you can get from A to B a lot smoother, a lot faster. Yeah, I, I agree. That's definitely, yeah. I can say that's something I've learned too, is to have a have an end goal or you know, know what you want it to sound like before you start reaching for stuff, turning knobs and and all this, which uh, which I guess that, that'll lead me into another thing I've got down here that I've learned is the importance of using the right tool. And what I mean by that is 
I will get a new plug-in or a new piece of gear, and it's like, every time it's like, oh, this is going on the vocals, but it might not work on that vocal. Yeah. And, and, and you know, I can sit here 30 minutes fighting with this piece of gear or plug-in trying to get it to sound good on this vocal instead of just realizing, hey, this isn't the right tool for the job. Get something else. Yep. I, I agree with that a thousand percent. All right. Any final ones? You got any last ones, O'Shea? Ah, oh, man. Um, I definitely shouldn't have had that. Uh, yep. But I had that cran, cran mango. <laughs> uh, oh, man. You uh, know, uh, cranberry is a natural laxative, man. Damn. Uh, I wasn't even thinking about it in that context. <laughs> well, Zara knows. I told him uh, when we weren't recording. Man, you, see, you said it your... was more than cran mango yeah. in my in my drink. Oh man! Um, but now, I mean, I think I really, I think I really said a lot that I wanted to say. Um, you're always going to be learning. You know, uh, if you think you got it all figured out and you're 25 and you're like, "Yo, I'm a beast. I got it figured out." I encourage you to reconsider and uh, keep listening to our podcast. I actually, um, uh, I'm going to leave it with, with this because I have 10 minutes. And this this question, I warn you, might open up a can of worms. But I was discussing this with another uh, engineer friend of mine uh, while having a cup of coffee. And I'm really uh, anxious to know what Zar might think of this. Uh, so I will ask the question and I'm going to stay within that 10-minute range or less, <laughs> is do you think that the model of charging hourly for studio time will ever change? So mm. so let's say, because who does it really benefit? I guess is the question that came about with with my other engineer friend. Um, and we had our, our points. You know, we kind of went back and forth on it. But just off of hearing that, you know, we could spend an hour on this, but I have 10 minutes. Do you think that model of charging for studio time will ever change where like I will charge you hourly to record you instead of having a set price uh, for what you think, you know, what your fee might might be to to record a song? I would talk about so you're talking about debating charging per hour versus charging per song. Yes. Is that right? Yes, exactly. Like if someone says, "Yo, Zara, I'm trying to record at your studio. Like, how much you charge an hour, like for studio time?" And then you're like, "Oh, I don't, I don't do studio. I don't do hourly. Like, you're just gonna pay me 150 per song, or you're gonna pay me 100. You're gonna pay me 200. Whatever that fee is, do you think that's ever gonna that model of thinking hourly and people expecting to pay hourly to record is ever gonna change, or at least evolve or kind of be up I think that so the whole charging per song I know I've well, I don't know I've heard of people here in Nashville doing that it's not something I would do because I can charge you 200 a song okay but then who's to say when that song is completed and you can easily get into the trap of, okay, now I've done more. Let's say I charge 25 an hour, right. which would be, what, eight hours for $200. Now we've spent 16 hours on this song. Right. I'm still stuck with the same rate of 200 that you gave me already. Right. But you're still coming in here recording. We're still mixing. 
yeah, I, that's I I wouldn't do that. I can see someone doing that to be different, I guess, but I just the the hourly thing makes more sense to me. And, and also, you know, if I charge you per hour, mm-hmm. I also feel you have more incentive to come in here and get your shit done because right. you know you're on the clock. Right. Whereas if we're just charging you by the song, it's just, well, I'm not 100% prepared here yet, right. or but I've already paid you for the song, so we're just going to... So it, there's right. there's just a lot of fine print yeah. that would go with it yeah. to to me. No, I feel it. I think, man, I have, I have, I have like a, an outlook of where I feel like sometimes um, hourly can almost jeopardize or penalize the engineer because if I put so much hours into my craft and I can get you from A to B a lot faster than another engineer and you're going to do it in less hours, you're going to pay me less money, which means I almost got penalized or fined for being quicker and more efficient to getting you from point A to point B. Now, with hourly, I can easily lie and be like, oh, this is going to take six hours. But then now you got to work on something longer and the client's going to end up paying you more money. So maybe six years ago to track somebody, do all the comping, set up all like the routing and doing this might have taken me three hours. But now I feel like I can get you in, have have a, a product that you're going to be uh, happy with, I'm going to be happy with, and I might be able to do that in half the time. So it's kind of like, it's one of those things, like if someone someone is uh, uh, designing like a logo for you and he's like, yeah, well, we're going to charge you hourly and it's going to be like, but we need we need to spend 28 hours on your logo. You're going to be like, do you really need 28 hours on my logo? Like, is this guy mm-hmm. just charging me because he knows every hour he adds, he gets paid more. Or someone can be like, yo, I'll charge you 500 bucks. And then you you lose sight of like the hours. You just know that you're going to get something of value and something you're going to be happy with. You don't care about time. Time's like kind of out the window. He just said 500, you pay your 500. And he's like, I can get, I can get it to you within the next two or three weeks. So we were sharing the- like these like opposite, you know, uh, uh, points and they're all kind of like pretty cool to to hear and to listen to. So I just wanted to ask you because again, like I said, you're you're an engineer who I who I really respect and I think uh, you're great at what you do. So it's always cool to throw these little questions that can might shake up you know industry a little bit or, or you know who knows. Let me throw on on the flip side of that. If if you're able to get someone done quickly. You could also look at that as, or the client could look at that as, man, Will gets me done quick. Like I will come back to him or we can get even more done because I know that, you know, things will run smoothly and it's not going to take, you know, 12 hours right, <laughs> with, right, with this right, other right. guy over yeah. here I used to, uh, that I've yeah. worked with. And before. if you're at a flat rate, you're still going to get paid that flat rate. So both the the engineer and the artist kind of discard time and focus more on like let's just get something done that we're that we're both looking for and I know you're the person to take me there uh, and kind of go from there I mean I think anyone that's done anything repeatedly and consistently throughout the years has gotten better so much you know better that he can probably do that same job for half the time like literally Mm -hmm. so it's kind of like if he's doing that half the time and he's charging hourly, it's going to kind of 
hurt him because he's still going to provide that same value, that same expertise, your same ears, your knowledge of engineering, but the you're only going to get paid a certain amount. It, I don't know. I just kind of almost feel like you're you're getting it's put kind of putting your expertise and and what you bring to the table in jeopardy if you're just going hourly, which then can rush a song because I've had songs where I book two hour minimums and they feel mm-hmm. like they rushed. So they got to come back and book another session. I mean, I guess I'm making more money. Well, do I really want to <laughs> revisit a song that we should have got done in the first place if it wasn't because time was running out? So That's their fault, though. That, they should have booked more hours. <laughs> exactly. But I've, I've had songs take two hours. I've had songs take four hours. You just, you just never know. But because time is a thing, they're like, holy crap, I got 20 minutes. I got to finish this verse. And then chances are they like, yo, that last verse was trash. I need to go back in there mm. and do it again. So I don't know. Like I said, I just thought this was a really cool debate. And it's I just like to ask all these engineers or people in audio to see what their like, you know, what their take is on it. Mm-hmm. Hey, here's another take. Uh if we're still within uh that 10 minute window, uh that I didn't hear anyone say yet. Uh, per hour and per song aren't mutually exclusive. Like, yeah, I realize that, right? Like, it's not an either or. Like, you could do both. Um, so I don't think the hourly thing will go away. Um, I think people will just start having more options. Um, the subscription model is slowly, very slowly starting to, you know, be visible. I think that'll be that that's going to become more popular, you know, in, in the upcoming years. Well, you're just talking about recording, right? The song of music for recording. Yeah, recording. Yeah, yeah. Studio time. Studio time. Yeah, basically. All right. We're going to wrap this episode up. Uh, don't forget you can uh, join the discussion for this episode and more on our Facebook group, Faders Up Podcast. Uh, don't forget to... Uh, rate and review us on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. And of course, we will have uh, Will's info in the show notes so you can follow uh, what he's been up to. All right, I'm Czar. I'm O'Shea. And I'm Will Santos. And we'll catch y'all next episode. Peace. Hey, Faders Up Podcast listeners. Hey, thank you so much for listening to today's episode, but let's keep the discussion going. Join our Facebook group at Faders Up Podcast to share your thoughts and opinions on today's topics and interact directly with the cast.